At Black Nerds Create, we love all things fandom and creation, and we especially love fantasy. That's why we're excited for our newly named Black Magical History Month coming in February. Black Magical History Month is our sixth annual celebration of Black stories, characters, and fans across different fantasy media. Get ready for a month of digital events, challenges, and community turnups all across social media. To stay up to date and get more information, go to blacknerdscreate.com. I'm Lin-Manuel Miranda, and you're listening to Hard Knock Life. Life. I'm Keith Chow. This is a special episode. We're not covering the stuff that you saw at the Super Bowl because we're recording this before the Super Bowl because I'm planning on watching the Super Bowl and not recording a podcast. But season three of Star Trek Picard coming out on Paramount Plus this week. And to get ready for, I guess, the final season of Picard, aka season eight of Star Trek The Next Generation, I've brought on everyone's favorite guest host to the podcast, my brother. Raymond Chow. Red alert, guys. I hear it's going to be good. <laughs> That's That says a lot because my brother Raymond does not enjoy Star Trek Picard typically. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm trying to not be uh, a hater because there's enough people on the internet that just kind of dunk on shit that they don't like. And, you know, I have too much affection for Patrick Stewart to want to dunk on him but yeah i did not enjoy picard seasons one or two but they have pulled the nostalgia trap card by bringing back the entire tng cast and i i thought i was out i thought i wasn't gonna give a shit but (laughs) as the as the date comes closer i find myself drawn to it like Odo when he sees the Denoria, the the uh, Nebula, Omarian Nebula, <laughs> and has to go back home. Using the Deep Space Nine reference to talk. I'm about all over the place, man. TNG. I'm all over the place. As I said, we're all those dope trailers that debuted during the Super Bowl. We will discuss next week with Brittany and Dominic when they come back. But this is all Star Trek all the time. This episode of the podcast, and I feel like my Trek bona fides have been rescinded because. I don't think I've actually watched a Star Trek. Well, I I watched season one of Picard, but before this like new iteration, you know, the Paramount Plus era of Star Trek, I feel like the last Star Trek I watched probably was like committed, like fully committed to watching was when Raymond and I were teenagers watching D Space Nine. D D Space Nine when it was on The Voyager finale came after D Space Nine, right? Yeah, yeah. Voyager was another two years. So Voyager was the last like Star Trek, I fully committed to everything. I don't think I've committed to any post Voyager Star Trek. Well, like I remember being excited for the first episode of Enterprise because it premiered on my birthday. Mm. And like, I was like, oh, it's, it's meant, it, <laughs> this is fate. It's going to be great, you know, because my birthday's in September and that's when all the new shows come on. But whatever, I didn't care. <laughs> I, I think, and as a, it was after it was after 9-11, so everybody was ready to heal and who was going to heal better than Star Trek. Well, and, and, and Enterprise, I, I watched the finale of Enterprise just because, to your point about because pulling the nostalgia. Of, because an episode of The Next Generation. Right, Riker? Okay, that's that's yeah. how, that's typically how you draw me into any Star Trek anything is like oh here's a here's a tng cast member because as you know raymond 
I didn't really get into Deep Space Nine until Worf showed up. Well, so how did you get into Next Generation? Like, what do you remember how you started like watching it? Well, spoiler like, alert for we're we're going to be counting down our top five Next Generation episodes. And full disclosure, neither Raymond nor I have shared what these five are going to be. I have no idea which five you've picked. You have no idea which five I've picked. Oh, yeah. So question, are we doing this as like top five that like I got to end with my number one as my all time favorite? Or is these these just five episodes that I love? No, we're counting them down, dude. Five to one. Oh, okay. Okay. I got it. And, <laughs> and there may all be right, some right. overlap. There may not. But yeah. spoiler alert, my number five meaningful Next Generation episode to me is Encountered Farpoint. It's not good. It's not yeah, no. one of the best episodes. It's 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 actually quite forgettable. Patrick Stewart plays Jean-Luc Picard very differently in Encountered Farpoint than he does like the rest of the series. He is a Frenchman. Sir. He's actually French in that episode. <laughs> they they completely abandon the fact that he's French for the rest of the series. Well, so it was, it's an interesting point because when I was originally thinking about, like, when I was going to pitch this idea to you, of like, hey, Picard's coming on, we should talk about Star Trek. I was thinking of, rather than doing, like, favorites, of going through, like, if you had to explain Star Trek Next Generation in five episodes, what would you pick? And in that list, Encounter at Firepoint shows up for me because it's it's the pilot. Well, so, I mean, the reason I, I'm, the, and, and we, we'll dig into this more when we actually run down our top five, but, like, the reason I'm saying that, because you asked me, like, how did I even get yeah. a Star Trek? And it's because I was 10 years old, and I used to essentially live in the back office at our family restaurant, and the only thing that kept me company was the television. And, you know, I wasn't really, I, I didn't watch the original series. I, I recall, like, vaguely it would be on sometimes that, you know, I, I, I was like, it was in the ether. Again, I'm 10 years old. I wasn't really into Star Trek. And, but I remember, you know, there was like a lot of hype around the next generation. And I'm pretty sure I was already watching Reading Rainbow mm. at that point. And so I knew LeVar Burton was going to be in the new because again this was 40 years ago this was pre-internet pre like reading entertainment weekly even so you know like the reading rainbow episode that takes place on the bridge like did you remember seeing that well that episode? that had to that 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 episode had to that come out after, after next generation oh, okay. debuted but i i just maybe it was like a preview like you know like a commercial and i saw lavar burton maybe hmm Something like that. I mean, again, it's hard to remember from like when I was 10 years old, but I just recall like, oh, it was, there was this new take on Star Trek coming out and it was like 7 PM on like a Wednesday. I don't know what day it debuted on, on the local, you know, syndicated Paramount affiliated channel in, you know, outside of Washington, DC. And I watched Encounter Firepoint. And from that point on, I was like, Oh, I really like this show, you know? I thought Q was cool and and I was hooked from that point. And I watched like I watched the first run of Star Trek the Next Generation in real time. And then when did you start watching? Because you were three when Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that I didn't really get into it until so I know that I think my first memory of ever watching the original series 
was I don't remember what trip I was on with our parents, but we were either in, we were in Canada or we were in Hong Kong and we were in a hotel and the original series was on. And I remember watching episodes of the original series there. And that was probably like the first time I ever watched the original series. And then I'm pretty sure that, oh, and I remember that the next generation, I had seen an episode here or there, but it never really registered with me until the episode that's on my list, All Good Things is on my list, the final episode. And what they did was they did a marathon on like channel, I guess that was <laughs> channel seven at the time in Chesapeake. They did a marathon on that on that week, weekend of like all the 10 best or 10 famous episodes of Next Generation. And I watched it all like back to back in anticipation of all good things. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, this is a really good show that I I had like missed out on. But you don't really miss out on Star Trek in, in that era because it was always still playing every week. Right. At that time. And it's it's funny, right? Because all good things, the last season of Next Generation, you were 10 years old. That was 94. Yeah. So something about being 10 and a chow <laughs> that yeah, that's, draws that's you to Star that's Trek. That's when the mood can strike you. Because, yeah, because I, I also remember taking you to see Generations. Yeah, like definitely by the time Generations had come out, I had probably seen... Well, that everything. was that fall. Like to your point, yeah. if you if you like if all good things was your catalyst, and you know the marathons or whatever, it was probably also an anticipate. You like basically like did a did a crash course in trekkery. Yeah, well, because and- it was it was still playing every weekend, right? So like every weekend, I could watch an episode, and it, it, I I think I was able to see most of four through six, probably by the time of generations being in theaters. Because we went to see Generations at the Chesapeake Square Mall area, whatever theater is over there for some reason. I don't know why we went over there. <laughs> it means nothing to anyone listening to this podcast who doesn't. Yeah, but I in, well, no, but I do room. remember that was the first time I ever saw a dude in a Starfleet uniform. A dude was wearing a <laughs> a Wrath of Khan era Starfleet jacket. Your first encounter with cosplay. Yeah, that was my first time, and I I don't remember if there was a Klingon. I that might just be my brain filling in gaps but there was definitely some dude that was like a lieutenant in a in the red jacket yeah so like 94 94 is probably then the catalyst year for you for sure because well it's... and like and that's 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 probably star trek at its second peak right or, yeah and I mean, arguably probably a greater peak than even in the 60s because just yeah, the reach absolutely. of star trek in the 90s was absolutely. far greater than any reach it had in the 60s Right. So like that's probably the mo- like the moment where Star Trek had had its most success without like any caveat. You know what I mean? Like very few people remember uh the original series' third season fondly. The movies, I mean, Star Trek 6 was only a couple years before it. So like to go from Undiscovered Country to Generations and you're in the you know golden era of season four to seven of next generation like that's peak star trek right talking about hype the biggest hype around generations was kirk and picard coming together yeah right that's what sold it to people who weren't necessarily tng fans right 
and we'll talk about generations maybe a little bit as we as we progress but so that was the that's the origin story of how you and i and and from 94 on at least from 94 to 98 i think you know star trek was definitely again like like a bonding thing between the two of us because you know we watched next generation together we at least the movies i eventually came around to watching (laughs) deep space nine with you because when because when did season three of deep space nine start that was around that time too, like 95. 95. Yeah, because season season three should be the same time that season three is after generations. The first two overlap with next generation. Yeah. Yeah. Season season two and season seven overlap, right? So season three was probably season three was probably the only year that well no, because then Voyager was probably coming out in ninety was ninety four. Voyager launched in ninety five because it, it launched UPN. Yeah. And then, but like once Voyager launched, I was already watching Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, I was brought in because the hype was Lieutenant Worf is not just cameoing, he's joining Deep Space Nine as a character. And, you know, the way of the warrior was like my intro into, into Deep Space Nine because I didn't watch the first three seasons at all. Like at least not in real time. Of course, I would go back and watch them. Yeah. And and re- and remember, not really even when doing a rewatch, not really clicking into D Space Nine until Avery Brooks shaves his head, or at least until he grew the beard. Because I think the the episode where he and Jake are like sailing in the stars, yeah, like, explorers, explorers, yeah. like he has grown his beard, he hasn't yeah. shaved his head yet, and I was just like, okay, it's I like the that second episode. to last episode of season three. Yeah, I I needed I needed cisco to be more like hawk before i could get you needed him to be bald (laughs) before i could get into that show but season four beyond like d space nine became my favorite not just my favorite star trek like one of my favorite shows of all time but again that said my trek bona fides pale in comparison to you because i've watched d space nine through once i've watched next generation all the way through once and voyager like you You've what? never, you never like pop in another. Uh, I mean, I'll see, I'll watch like a, I'll, I've rewatched certain episodes. Like I've seen yeah. Far Beyond the Stars multiple times. I've seen All Good Things multiple times, but I've to sit down and watch, what is it, three hundred episodes of television? <laughs> sure, <laughs> I can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I honestly don't know how you do it because you do like an annual Star Trek rewatch. Well, it's if, <laughs> on it, top it, of like annual West Wing rewatches and. <laughs> yeah, it comes and goes. It comes and goes. It's just kind of I'm in the mood. It's when I need a hit, man. I just <laughs> I, I, I need a hit of that nostalgia. I can't. I like. I just go watch the show again. That's what I've never understood about like. I I'm happy for people who can go buy memorabilia and all that stuff, and it makes them happy. But it's just like I just watch the show again because yeah. it's right there. And especially now that we live in an era where it you know it's on your phone at any time of day, if you want to, it's like, yeah, well, whenever I want to hit, there it is. So I will say that speaking of memorabilia though, like that period in the, in the early nineties was also a period where we were buying the Playmates figures and the ships. Right. And the, I remember one, one, I think it was the Christmas of 94, that, that year, the, the year you became a Star Trek fan, you got the transporter. Oh yeah, Christmas present, which, which is really I think cool. Is 
still in, which I think is still in uh, our parents' house somewhere. <laughs> although the batteries have probably like melted. And well, you yeah, you still have. I'm sure you still have Voyager and the D Space Nine station in Mom's house. I think. Yeah, and the Defiant. And the Defiant. Yeah, never never was able to get an Enterprise because why didn't we get gener- There was a Generations. Enterprise D toy, but I don't, I don't know. We never, we never picked it up. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> probably it was probably too expensive. Yeah, maybe for us at that time. But you had all the figures, like you had at least all the next generation figures. I don't know if you had. Yeah, I think you. Oh, had do you remember most... the generations figures were frustrating because they were a different uniform? Oh, was it because they were in the all black and not the? Well, they, I think that so that I think that they had originally designed new uniforms for generations, and then that got too expensive, or they fell behind in production. So oh, that's it. right. It was like it was like based off of like concept art, and not yeah. Even... So it's like closer to kind of what they wear in the alternate future of all good things, design wise, and like yeah. so. All, so we got a lot of the generations toys, but they weren't like right. And there was also um a Captain Kirk toy from a deleted scene where it's parachute Kirk and he's he's in a he's in a jumpsuit that is in a scene that that never made it to the final cut. Oh. I completely like blocked out the fact that the generations figures were completely concept art. Yeah. That's funny. Because they they're they're almost like they have I'm I'm just looking it up now. They have like a flap instead of like the just the regular because it's like yeah and it's like a combination of like the d space nine jumpsuit but yeah it's also still multicolored. yeah that's it's pretty interesting that i mean it definitely like especially like with you look at like what the new uniforms look like on the current shows like you you can see you can see it as part of the evolution but it's just interesting that they for the production got that far in the toy line and then it just didn't happen and then no, I guess like no one told the toys, or honestly, the toys didn't care. And they said, "Well, we already made yeah. these. We're not, we're not dumping them." So and that happens, and actually, that happens all the time, where like the toys are based on concept art, and then the changes because toys have to go into production so much earlier than yeah than movies do. But yeah, so <laughs> all that said, we're we're talking about this because, as you may or may not know, out there in podcast world. Star Trek Picard, which is the Paramount Plus reboot, I guess, of the Picard character. One of the one of the things that I was actually excited about when Picard first debuted was the fact that I had always clamored for Star Trek stories to take place in the future, like in the post-Voyager timeline, because that's, you know, as we said earlier, like that's our bread and butter, like next generation in deep space, the 24th century star trek is what we know more so than the original series but everything that came out post voyager whether it be enterprise whether it be the jj verse or the kelvin verse or even the things that paramount plus came out with discovery and now we have strange new worlds everything like they're all in that like in between period before kirk or at least kirk's early years right like all the all the like the star trek of the last probably 20 years or so all kind of took place in that prequel era of Star Trek. And I just could never, ident- not identify as the right word, but like t- it was a different type of nostalgia they were kind of like getting at, right? They wanted to bring back all of the original series fans, I guess, you know, 
to them, Kirk and Spock is the ideal Star Trek. And it was Picard's return that signaled to me like, oh no, we're, we're now signaling that there's a whole generation, pardon the pun, of Star Trek fans who identify with these casts of characters and not necessarily like seeing Scotty and Bones and everyone. All that said, <laughs> maybe because of, like I was so happy to see them finally tell stories, you know, post 24th century, that I ultimately was really disappointed in the first season of Picard that I actually didn't even watch season two. I know you weren't a fan of either season. Is it is it fair to say that like and again without dunking because I know that you know the reason that I could never identify with with the new Star Trek is not because like I have it this real you know first of all it's the nerds of color it's not like we're like oh it's too woke or whatever like like I never understood Star Trek fans who complain Star Trek is too woke right right because like what the fuck have you been watching the last seventy years <laughs> yeah although although with one of my picks we're gonna get into that a little bit um but we'll 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 get there oh interesting interesting. Is is Angel One in your top five? <laughs> oh well. Oh, actually, if we were going to do the other idea of like episodes that you have to watch to understand the next generation, I was going to pick Code of Honor, which is the one where they go to you know a black planet, and it, it's kind of universally considered the most racist episode of <laughs> Star Trek because it's terrible, but it's an interesting terrible that like. <laughs> You hope you hope you can learn something about Star Trek's attitudes from, I think. So that said, I just couldn't get into the new era of Trek for various reasons. <laughs> because because the twenties the the you go back to the twenty fourth century and it just looks like Los Angeles. Well, yeah, well there's that too, right? Like <laughs> like, like every setting is just some sort of uh it looks like their agent's office a lot of times. Are you talking about season two of Picard? Season one and season two, like every time, well, season two, like actually, yeah, it takes place in the 21st century. So I guess that makes a little more sense. But, well, but I think you and I talked about this at the time, like, isn't 21st century in Star Trek world supposed to be very different from like what you and I experienced as the 21st century? So like, that's the thing that I was kind of like, didn't, and well, you know, and I said this on the podcast last week, like continuities for nerds and, you know, I've, I've, I've aged into the wisdom of not having to be a stickler about continuity that said like when the picard team traveled back to the 21st century and it's like our 21st century like i get why they did that one because it was cheaper <laughs> right to like just yeah. like as you said go outside and just film like the back streets of los angeles but you know from what i remember from like when d space nine will go back in time or even like references in next generation like 21st century is 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 a shit show like aren't we in like civil war and like isn't there like just i mean well, yeah it's so, kind of a shit show I mean, now i guess in certain if you, if you look outside too but like yeah they, they do point in uh, season two of picard to the fact that like they do point to the d space nine episode past tense where captain cisco or commander cisco goes back in time and he he they all think that he's poor and crazy him and Dr. Bashir, and then they end up leading a poor people's revolt right. <laughs> for being forced into the slums of Los Angeles. So there is there is like mentions of that, that the, so the, the sanctuary districts that happen in that episode of D69 do get 
some kind of set decoration that like it's coming in the next generation in in Picard, but they don't really like get into it. And yeah, this is still it's interesting because it's still a hundred, you know, I think it's like 50 years later, there's still going to be a World War Three coming, which is definitely happening because Strange New Worlds pilot episode makes that they set a date. They said World War Three happens in like 2026. So it's coming, guys. <laughs> get, get ready. So yeah, so that's 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 Picard. And and as I said, I, I was kind of like I I tapped out after a couple episodes of season two. Haven't has still haven't gone back to finish it. Also, like truth be told, like as as excited I was to see like the further adventures of Picard. One thing that's that's kind of weird and spoilers for Picard if you haven't watched yet is that at least post season one of Picard, it's not even fucking Picard anymore. <laughs> Isn't he a robot now? <laughs> yeah, he's an android that will age and die and <laughs> look exactly like a human as he ages and dies because so that's weird that's, yeah that was a weird choice yeah and and that is like i don't i'm not trying to i'm trying to understand why the show doesn't work for me and it's not the wokeness of it like the wokeness all the woke elements of it are fine like that yeah that's well again it's star trek, trek. like I, that's not even a valid good faith argument and we're yeah. not even going to you know give it yeah. any quarter because it's just dumb and like people it's it's anyway yeah it, it's not even worth but there are for me it was just like you set up all of these interesting premise premise premises and um then they 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 set them all up and they don't know what to do with them at the end and so they just find like it's just Occam's razor but Occam's razor and making it dumber and the the solutions to things are such that you don't care anymore like they wrote themselves into a hole and it's like well what how do we get out of it I don't know make them an android oh uh, okay well especially here, here's the thing I mean and maybe this is the this was the point but like so much of Picard's, particularly like in the movies and yeah. you know post Next Generation, is yeah. about Picard's whole Borg, you know PTSD. Well, okay. So do we want to get into the problem with Patrick Stewart? Sure. Okay. Well, so this is the thing. Let me front load this with nothing but praise first. That you know, obviously, Sir Patrick Stewart. You Sir mean Sir Patrick Stewart? one of the greatest actors to enter into the science fiction realm, elevated, elevated the next generation, elevates X-Men, is a reason that a lot of those things work. But I think the reality is that he's also part of the problem. And, and, and here's some of my evidence for that. One of Patrick Stewart's favorite episodes of the next generation, uh, and I have receipts, I can, I, there's research that can back this up, that he'll say that this is his, one of his top top 10 episodes of The Next Generation, is an episode called Starship Mine, where the Enterprise is evacuated because they're doing like a, 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 what's it called? A baryon sweep. They're gonna clean, they're gonna clean the Enterprise basically. And then some terrorists sneak on board. And so Captain Picard has to do Die Hard on the Enterprise. <laughs> and that's one of his favorite episodes because he gets to run around and punch people for 45 minutes. And if you look at like the production of Generations and really all of the Next Generation movies, 
Patrick Stewart's notes as the lead actor for those movies was, I want more action scenes. Mm-hmm. I want to do a lot of the fighting because I think that he was possibly having a, mid- a midlife crisis and he <laughs> didn't want to be, you know, he had been playing the old man for kind of a long time. He was right. famously, like, famously Gene Ronberry didn't want Patrick Stewart because he thought he was too old, even yeah, in the, right. the first season. Yeah. He was he was already playing Claudius in Hamlet in 1981. And then like 30 years later, he's still playing Claudius because he still <laughs> looks old. He's been an old man for a right. long time. He's got, he's got like Steve Martin syndrome. Even when he was a young man, right. he looked old, right? Right. Right. And, but 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 it also means that he hasn't he doesn't look like he ages at all because he's just he's always looked old. Right. You just you get so old and you're just there forever. So I think maybe that's what was happening. So all of the Next Generation movies have this weird energy to them because it's like, why is there this dirt buggy scene? Like, what, right. what are we doing here? Because Patrick Stewart wants to be out there and like fighting things. He likes explosions. And to be fair, one of the one of the problems of the Next Generation movies is that they were too hyper-focused on Picard and Data. Yeah. To the sure. to the detriment of like the rest of the cast, right? Yeah. Everybody else is a glorified cameo, right? Really, the, uh, unfortunately, and and I hope that that I hope that one of my hopes for season three of Picard is that this is an opportunity to give Beverly Crusher her due, and it sounds like it does sound like from what bits of the story that's come out so far that she's getting a little bit more to do, which I'm excited for. Because she had, she was a character that had a that was got to do a lot more in the show than she ever does in any of the movies, and it, I think it's a it's a shame. So I think that when when the Paramount powers that be came to Patrick Stewart and they said, "Hey, uh, we're going to do Star Trek Picard. We want to do it. Are you in?" and he said yes, but only I think he said yes, but only if I can be an executive producer. And here's what I think the problem is. I don't think anyone knew how to say no to Patrick Stewart. So if he had an idea, what if the Romulan woman's in love with me? Oh, yeah, sure. We'll make that work. What, whatever you want, man. You're Patrick Stewart. And I think that that's where they kind of write themselves into all of these traps in the show is, and this is this is all speculation, but I think that Patrick Stewart was just throwing out a lot of ideas of where he he wanted the character to go. And they were trying to write around that rather than breaking an actual story well so can explain robot picard then like who's whose brilliant idea is that well i mean that's what i'm saying right like i can't i don't i wasn't i mean i can't imagine patrick stewart saying you know what would be really great if they put my essence in a robotic body that will also age and die (laughs) yeah but i think that the problem is is that he probably ended up in some sort of area of I think it was part of his, like, his idea of, like, how to put to bed Picard, and they didn't, I don't know if they, did they know at the time that they were already guaranteed for a season two? I don't know. But I also, like, I mean, I remember now that I'm thinking back to season one, because I think I might have just, like, suppressed all memory of that season. Well, it's not even that you suppressed, it's it's un- unfortunately, and this is the thing, is it's a, it's forgettable. Right. Because... All of those premises don't come to some. Well, because sort of- no, the thing is, right? Because like there was this whole theme of like you know androids are kind of like an oppressed class of people, right? It wasn't. Yeah. Am I imagining that? No, that's yeah. They're they're an oppressed class of. Well, yeah, they create new Sung type androids based on data, 
well, based on, I guess, the parts they had from B4, the third brother of the third, the third data type. The one from the movie. The one from the, the one from Nemesis. And I just remembered, like, I don't know. I just remember just not jiving with that whole storyline. And like, it kind of, because I felt like it kind of undermined the whole Measure of a Man episode, which is also in my top five. Right. The rights that, the, that, that androids have rights. Absolutely. But also that, like, the plot is the Borg are involved and the Romulans. But like the Borg, I, wasn't there, there was a whole thing about like Borg, like all the ex-Borg now, right? Because now the Borger. Yeah. Everyone is seven now, essentially, right? Well, it's not clear how, I, I don't think they ever explain clearly where that, def, there's a defunct cube sitting in Romulan space that the Romulans and the, the Romulans are letting other people kind of use as they kind of, dismantle it and rehabilitate the drones that were there although it seems like there are still thousands and thousands of drones on the cube that have not that are kind of just in stasis and the other thing that i remember just kind of rolling my eyes at in picard one was like the finale when like a million starships showed up and there was like this full-on battle and it just gave like rise of skywalker vibes because like that's what i yeah. hated about rise of skywalker was like all of a sudden, all the spark, you know, there's this supposedly massive battle in space between, you know, the Star Destroyers and, and the, the Rose, like the new resistance or whatever. And it just like was just dumb. And that's kind well, of the vibes I got from the last episode of Picard. Again, I might have been imagining this whole thing. That, well, that happened, I, I, right? I, well, I think, it, no, it happened. But what I think that the problem is, it's not that it's dumb, it's that it's unearned. It's that it it just shows up and you don't. You don't feel anything for it because I'll 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 compare it to at the end of D Space Nine season five where the Dominion War at this it's the beginning of the Dominion War and there's a scene where like Kira's mad at Federation because he's like she's like the Dominion are coming why aren't they sending us any ships and Cisco's like well I can't tell you it's classified and that's a scene that happens twenty minutes in and then tw and then at the end of the episode. There's a, the final scene is they leave D Space Nine and they join this, the Starfleet fleet. And you see, you know, not a hundred ships, but like 30 ships together. And you think, oh, oh shit, because you know it's about to go down. And like, so you can have a, a scene with uh, dozens and dozens of ships on the screen, but you, you've got to earn it. It's got to be yeah. set up for something. They just show up because Captain Riker at the end is like, yeah, I just knew you'd need help. And I, I just was able to convince all these ships to come along with me at, at this single moment. And then, yeah, because it's it's that kind of like you try to jump jump the line, essentially, to get like this big epic scene that that falls flat. Like not everything can be the final fight in Endgame. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. That 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 similarly was felt earned when all the portals open and all the superheroes come out. Like you waited 10 years to see the entire Avengers kind of assemble. Right. And three hours. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Right. No, yeah. but it's true. Like the, the reason that of all, you know, my issue with superhero movies, the third act always sucks. The reason that Endgame's third act works is that it's that's it's not just a third act. It's the culmination of 10 years of like, you know, storytelling. Right. And and I think Rise of Skywalker and Picard season one, I just remember feeling the same way in those final battle scenes and thinking like, this is stupid. What I don't care about any of this, you know. Right. It's it's just it's just bigger without like making bigger didn't make the conflict more interesting right 
So that said, season two, I tried. I started the first couple episodes. I remember, like, I was. It was kind of cool to see Guy in again, and and but I think where I tapped out in season two was like the whole. Was there was a whole like thing about his mom, right? Oh, yeah, that seemed weird. Yeah, and then, and well, then the time travel stuff. What I did like about season two, I will say, or at least the first couple episodes, <laughs> my favorite thing about season two probably was John Delancey shows up as Q and says, "Oh, you look old now. Let me look like you." Snaps his finger, and he becomes like <laughs> modern yeah. day John Delancey. It's like Ra- that's how they in universe explain why an immortal being looks like an old man. <laughs> right. Right. I thought that was, he's just, that was because cute. he's just trolling. Because he's just trolling the card. Like that's yeah. a. That's a who, who again at that point is a robot, <laughs> right? Which he doesn't bring up, like, uh, yeah, that, which he doesn't bring up. He doesn't mention, like, oh, you seem different somehow, but I can't, I can't quite put my finger on it. Some, some omnipotent being he turned out to be. I, I know they go back in time and they try to change the timeline because Q made them live in a like, like a fascist regime or something like that. Wasn't Picard like the leader of some fascist regime in the future or something? Yeah, so it's kind of, my guess is the writer's room went, okay, what are the best episodes of Star Trek? And let's throw them all together. So like, oh, we'll, we'll have Q in it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's do a little bit of Yesterday's Enterprise. Because the same thing, Yesterday's Enterprise, there's a, some time travel shenanigans, and that results in militaristic, fascistic future. So we'll, we'll do that. And then we'll also do, oh. We'll throw in some Voyage other- Home while we're at it. Yeah, let's do some voyage home. So we'll send we'll send them back in time, and they'll they'll hang out in the 21st century, and that'll be cool. Yeah, and then let's also do uh, the city on the edge of forever. So you gotta stop. You gotta let this person die, or not let this person die, so that the future can be saved. And so we'll we'll throw that in. And then the season two finale of the original series, Assignment Earth, which was a backdoor pilot. No one knows what to do with that. Well, let's throw that in too. We're going to make this reference to that thing. Why not? And they just, they layer all these things on top and on top of each other in a way that like kind of falls apart. So, okay, quick recap of season two is Picard's living in his chateau, Elron, his Romulan adopted friend <laughs> he's a cadet in starfleet rafi is i think number one for the excelsior rios has joined starfleet and was given a captain it was given the captain's chair of a either a refit or a, or a new ship called the stargazer which was picard's old ship and i don't remember where i think seven of nine was still a ranger hunting down bad guys in her spare time and that's kind of where everyone is oh allison pills character is she's still kind of just doctor somewhere but what happens was is that a cube shows up a boar cube shows up and so star so starfleet's like we need captain picard to go handle the cube and so they get a whole fleet it's a thousand ships just like we were talking about show up and they're fighting the Borg cube and then the Borg queen is some sort of new mysterious queen and it seems as if this new mysterious queen sends them into the past but it turns out that it's Q so Q so Q sends Picard and everybody that was in the cast conveniently even though they weren't on the same ship into the past and 
they wake up in an alternate future where um, it's the, the fascist future and Picard is now like General Praetor Picard or whatever and he's murdered Ducat and Galron and everyone like he's 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 the Federation's number one badass or whatever they're calling it and Seven of Nine is the president of the fascist state and then it turns out that they capture a board queen but not the board queen that they were dealing with in the future and the board queen's the one that's able to tell them that what happened that changed their timeline was Captain Picard's great, 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 great grandmother, Renee Picard, was going to be the first woman on a ship to Europa. And that because that, sh that flight didn't happen, so we're doing some first contact vibes, because that flight doesn't happen, their future loses all hope, basically. And like that's why we're in a fascist dictatorship, is because his great ancestor did not discover what she was going to discover on Europa. So they decide, okay, we've got to travel back in time. And then they use the board queen to go back in time to the 21st century, but it doesn't work exactly. And so Rios wakes up in like a undocumented worker um, clinic. And that's actually like the only arc of the show that's actually somewhat interesting is Rios as a as a Latino man is like experiencing experiencing INS, you know that's 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 kind of a classic Star Trek thing. But like that goes off on its own thing for a little while, and then everyone else. It's a little on the nose too, though, isn't Star Trek kind of? Well, tries I to mean, be a little bit more um, allegorical. Yeah, but, oh, we, uh, okay, but you're one of one of the best DC Nine episodes is yeah, Far Beyond. Far Beyond the Stars. Stars. Yeah, I, as as I was saying that, I realized you don't get yeah, more on like, the nose than Far Beyond. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with on the nose from time to time. Yeah. And what I will say, Rios is the best of the new characters. Mm -hmm. He's he, he's the first time that they pulled off your Han Solo type in the, right, right. the Star Trek world. And before we go, I just want to shout out, you know, the you mentioned the board queen. That was played by Anne Worsley, right. who just passed away from cancer. Right. And she's great. She's yeah. I want I mean, I will say all of the actors are doing the best they can with the plot that they have. It's just that the plot that they have doesn't make any sense. That leads us all to, as we said, in a few days, we're going to see Star Trek Picard season three, which is all intents and purposes, season eight of Next Generation, because literally everyone from Worf to The Forge, to Crusher, to Troy, to Riker, all on the show. Spiner's back. He's not playing Data because I think Data's gone for good. And Right, because he really wanted to die at the end of season one. But, that was but, his but it looks like Spiner is back as somebody. Yeah. Probably a Sung or something. Well, I mean, they did say, they, they do make it clear in the trailers. He's he's Lore. Oh, he's Lore. And Lore's back. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? Goalie Nutrition is sponsoring Hard Knock Life. And you can go to goalie.com to buy apple cider vinegar gummies. They're ashwagandha gummies, super fruit gummies, and super greens gummies. And get 10% off plus free shipping if you use the code HARDKNOCK at Goalie.com. This is honestly, I've been taking the Goalie gummies now for, for a couple weeks. And I have to say, they're tasty and they're good for you. Have you guys been enjoying the Goalie gummies? I really like them. They're yummy. But it's a nice to add to my like routine of already, like, I normally take just straight vitamin C. So it's nice to have, like, 
extra supplements. For a long time, people have have praised the benefits of apple cider vinegar. And, you know, as someone who's had to like drink straight apple cider vinegar sometimes when I'm not feeling <laughs> well, or, you know, I have a, some joint pain and your mom is like, drink some apple cider vinegar. It's mm. not the most appetizing home remedy, let's just say. No, right. It tastes horrible. So, like the apple cider part is like, ooh, does it taste like apple cider? And it's like, no, it tastes like vinegar. But ACV is very good for you. And the fact that Goalie has been able to put the ACV into these tasty little gummies made with pectin and fruit peels, which make them vegan, which is cool. So if you're vegan, you can still rock these gummies because everyone knows gummies are usually made out of like gelatin and nasty shit. This, these are made out of complete non-GMO, gelatin-free, gluten-free, vegan ingredients. And you can get the benefits, all of the benefits of apple cider vinegar taking these tasty, delicious, convenient gummies. So go to goalie.com. And use the code HARDNOCK, that's H-A-R-D-N-O-C, just like the podcast you're listening to. Get 10% off your purchase of Goalie products and free shipping. It's a much better delivery device for that apple cider vinegar. Yeah. These Goalie gummies are great. You get it and it's it's a delicious little candy. And I've been enjoying the Superfruits one. I did feel kind of refreshed after taking a few of those. Yeah, no, but I'm loving them so far. And they're definitely tasty. If you just want tasty gummies, at least just (laughs) eat them for the the yummy Yeah. Yeah. So go to Goalie.com, use the code HARDNOCK, H-A-R-D-N-O-C, get 10% off your purchase and free shipping at Goalie.com with the code HARDNOCK. So before we wrap up, I did want, one of the reasons we came together in anticipation for season three of Picard is we wanted to look back on our favorite episodes of Next Generation. So we're going to do this in top five mode, counting down from five to one what our favorite episodes are. So like I said, we don't know which episodes we're going to name, although we've kind of like alluded to a few of them already. So we'll, what we'll do is we'll start at number five. We'll, we'll reveal to each other what that episode is. And then we'll talk about why we chose it. And if it ends, if it ends up being like, we've already talked about an episode, we won't have to like dig into it again. You know what I'm saying? So do you have your list in front of you? Yeah, I do. Let's start at number five. I already said my number five encounter at far point. Your number five is, it's the episode Clues. Do you remember Clues? No. <laughs> and, oh. and full disclosure, I had to go back and do some homework just to remind myself because there's so many goddamn episodes of Next Generation. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine a show in the 21st century that has seven seasons and has a right. hundred and, you know, 26 episodes in each season? Like, no, no one's ever going to do that ever again. Yeah. So Clues is an episode, it's season four, I believe. And essentially, everybody's missing two weeks out of their life, and they don't know why. And it's one of those premises that it's an interesting mystery that if you really think too hard about it, it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But while you're watching the episode, it's a great time. And it's for me, I think it's a great showcase of what I was saying about Dr. Crusher, because she's the first one to notice that something's off and she typically would get like at least an episode a season where she plays the kind of science detective and i just i this is to me my favorite example of that episode of that kind of show where she goes around trying to solve like why are things off but no one no one says anything or no one notices and you find out they go to a planet that they go to a period spirit of space that just wants to kill everyone that enters their space. And so they make a deal with them. Just if we make us forget that we ever came here, we promise we'll never come back. Just erase our memories. 
but even after they erase their memories they start to put together like wait why are why are our memories erased so they go back and it's just a fun it's just a fun sci-fi mystery that is a great example of like the kind of episodes that star trek next generation could do i don't remember that episode what even in your description of it i i don't remember it she's got these little like christmas ornaments that have like little pink flowers or a little pink fungi growing inside them and they're like different sizes and like that's how she knows that time's gone on because they didn't they didn't fix that problem this is it's 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 great all right. Well, I, I already gave the reasons why I chose Encounter Farpoint. It was the it was the first one. It was the one that hooked me in. I, I I became a fan of Next Generation because of that. And and at the end of it, isn't that where we see Bones? Yes, he's at the end of the first part of it. But yeah, he's he's in it. I just remember I, I have a distinct memory of like seeing some. Is he walking with LaForge or someone or with Data? Data. That that just is a memory of mine that I just remember yeah. sitting in the office watching Encounter at Firepoint, seeing Q in the... And quick, quick aside, our mother, favorite soap opera was Days of Our Lives. She learned English watching that when she first came to this country. And John Delancey was on Days of Our Lives. And I think that was another reason I was like, kind of like hooked in because I just recognized him. He was romantically linked to Arlene Sorkin, who became Harley Quinn. So like the geek <laughs> bona fides of Days of Our Lives. Number four... Coincidentally, there are four lights. Chain of command. Oh, okay. Sure. For you? For me, it's the season three episode, Who Watches the Watchers? So I'll go first. I chose Chain yeah. of Command because that is the most deep, that's the deep space 90s next generation episode. And not just because it features the Cardassians, but it was, was it the, that wasn't the debut of the Cardassians, was it? No, no, the Cardassians show up at least a season earlier. Okay, but that was like their their most prominent episode, I feel like, at least in my memory. But it's the one where they torture Picard. Right. Because right. Picard's like leading some like secret mission and he gets captured. Yeah. And, yeah. And, they're, and they're basically gaslighting him. They're like, they make him look at these lights and they'll let him go if he's like, just say there are five of them just to show like, you know, that they can control reality, like they can, like, it's literally about gaslighting, right? And he's like, defiantly claims there are four lights and, and like loses his mind, essentially. Right. Well, he's, he's just on the verge of it. And that's, and what's great about that episode is, is one of those actors that like, you can put up with Patrick Stewart, and they're gonna duel in their dialogue in a, in a really great way. So why did you choose Who Watches the Watchers? Uh, so Who Watches the Watchers is an episode where the Federation have scientists in a duck blind and they study pre-warp civilizations. And the duck blind is damaged somehow. And so they get exposed. And basically the aliens who are early who are distant relatives of Vulcans that though, though they don't know it yet start worshiping the Federation and and Picard specifically because here are these people with super technology and that they think is magic and are they start relating it to their old kind of religious beliefs and so it's kind of the prime example of the prime directive which 
is kind of one of those classic Star Trek problems, you know, asking like, if we are in the future and we do have these technological marvels, well, what are the rules behind it? Not just on a scientific level, but on a moral and ethical level. And so the prime directive is this kind of central element of all of Star Trek, all of Star Trek. There's always every, you're not a Star Trek show unless you have an episode talking about do we violate the prime directive? And it's always interesting to see when they come to the decision of, yes, it's okay to violate or no, it's not okay to violate. And here it's this accident. They accidentally violated the prime directive. And so what do you do to fix that? And to me, it's interesting because once you start contrasting it with all those other prime directive episodes, you start to figure out that Starfleet has like terrible foreign policy because <laughs> they don't, they're not kind of consistent about it. And the captains break prime directive whenever it kind of suits them. So it's, it's, it, this is one of those episodes where the prime directive is viewed in a really positive light. And I like it for that, but it, it shows, and it shows kind of exactly what like, how to think about cultural dialogue, which I think is a central theme of all of the next generation, all of Star Trek. And I'll get into it a little bit later in another, my other pick. So number three, I have Tapestry. Ah, that was, uh, that was close. I had that in my, that's like six for me. Oh, okay. It was on the list. Tapestry is, is, is probably one of the best Q episodes. Sure. It's basically like if Picard it's it's like it's a, what's the Jimmy Stewart? It's a Wonderful Life, right? This is what your life would be like if you had chosen a different path. And he's a the what, the, the the alien he he fights with are called Nausicans, right? Yep. And at the time, I didn't realize were they named after the Miyazaki movie? I don't know. I I think it's it's probably possible, or maybe there is some sort of root science fiction. The Nauska is like a is some sort yeah. of a, a science but fiction, but yeah, but yeah I, I mean, in the at the time, because like they're they're these like they don't look nothing like anything from a Miyazaki movie, but like kind of like reading reading back up, you know, like I said doing the research, I was like, oh wait, that's how you spell Nausicaan? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But essentially, oh. essentially, like he Q basically like gives gives Picard like a second lease on life, and and he's. But now he's he's no longer a, a captain of the Enterprise. He's like he's like a nobody on the Enterprise. Well, right, because he was too brash. He regrets being too brash as a young man, and so when given the opportunity from Q to do over, to have a do over, he's a more mature, more controlled person in his cadet years. And then when they go into the future, you see that that controlled person is not the person he thought it would be. Right. It didn't make his life better in the way that he thought it would. And because he actually does die in the beginning of the episode, right? Like, right. He, because, well, because his his artificial heart, which is what which supported. is which was a result of his like fight, of his brash as actions as right. a young man. Yeah. I recall like there's the scene where Picard's in the the movie uniform, like the. Kirk movie. Yeah, his cadet years, because his cadet years are overlapping, I guess, with, with Kirk. the time of the of the movies of the original of the movie. movie. Yeah, right. So that was cool too, right. like to see Picard in the in the uh, Star Trek movie uniform. So your number three, you said, was what? 
Uh, so my number three is The Wounded. It's Oh, that's the other Cardassian episode. Yeah, it's it's you wrote about that for the Nerds of Color, actually. Oh yeah, right, exactly. You long, long time ago, ten years ago at the beginning of the website when you were when you used to write for us. Yeah, you wrote about Miles O'Brien. It's it's the it's Miles O'Brien's only episode that he gets like real character, really getting into only next generation episode where he gets character. Yeah, only next generation space nine. Yeah, and and it sets up the Cardassians like the the behavior of the Cardassians here really defines those antagonists for the Federation for the rest of it. So like in, in a lot of ways, a lot of the elements and like the political intrigue even of stuff that goes on in The Wounded really lines up with where Deep Space Nine will go. And and which is like a great example of like the next generation can do an episode like this, but because it's a run and gun, we're gonna we're going on to, off to the next planet. You don't really touch on it again, whereas DC is going to deal with the Cardassians for seven years. So it, it's kind of a backdoor. I love Deep Space Nine so much that retroactively, The Wounded is one of my favorite episodes <laughs> of The Next Generation. Number two? So my number two is actually All Good Things. So I debated, uh, and I was going to make All Good Things my number two, but I decided to make that my number one. My number two is The Inner Light uh sure sure <laughs> okay so so, let me talk about the inner light first okay since sure. since all good things is my number one and just say that like i that was the one i remember affecting me when i was a kid watching it and not not being prepared for an episode like that mm-hmm. it's one of those things that like it pulls you know the rug from out from under you because like so many star trek episodes take place on alien worlds and they're encountering different species and everything like that. But this was, Picard was a whole different dude, living a whole life, experiencing an entire lifetime, playing the flute, you know, <laughs> and, and 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 on a doomed planet, essentially. Right. And, and just like that blew my mind as a teenager, right? Like this idea that you could, it was like Interstellar before Interstellar, like you could live an entire lifetime in like 20 minutes or whatever. Is that what that movie's about? I haven't seen it. Oh, and you've never seen Interstellar? Well, no, I've Interstellar, there's a lot of time that. dilation in Interstellar as well. I see, okay. So that's but, what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. It, but I mean, but, it's, but it's like, it's like he's got the, he's got that whole vibe of like, you know, the, the planet is being doomed and he's Jor-El essentially. Like, yeah, you know, we have to save our planet. And it's, it's actually, you know, 30 years later, quite prophetic <laughs> people right. trying to like tell us about the, the end of our planet. And, and if we don't well, right. It. I mean, even at the time that that show was coming out, I mean, the ozone, it's, it was right. probably most directly the metaphor was the ozone layer, right? And, and again, a way to like, it's not a political message, but it's taking a message and putting it in a, in a interesting narrative device to kind of you know, when we're asking people for empathy, right? Like it's, it's to essentially have a device that forces you into someone else's shoes for their whole lifetime. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a stunning idea of like kind of how to have radical empathy. Yeah. So that's my number two. I'll let you reveal your number one because I said all good things was number one for me. So what's number one for you? So my number one is actually season five episode Darmok. Darmok, yeah, I knew that was coming. And and Jalad at Tanagra. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I and I the more I think about it, I 
as a second generation, you know, from an immigrant family, I, I think that that's one of the reasons that this episode speaks to me a lot. For people who yeah. don't know the episode, an alien species that the Federation has never been able to communicate with, reach out and try to communicate with the Federation. They send the Enterprise. Uh, they try to talk to each other. They can't understand each other. Suddenly, the captain transports Picard and himself to this third-party empty planet, and they try to talk to each other, but they're not figuring it out. They don't understand each other, but there's a monster that's going to destroy them. And the tensions rising between these two ships as they as the failure to communicate continues to grow. And so what you the big reveal or the the trick is it turns out that that species completely communicates through the use of metaphor <laughs> to say it the way that Picard says it. They use narratives and past narratives alluding to past narratives within their embedded history to to share stories with one another to communicate and for me like every time i watch that episode i'm still like blown away by the way that it captures understanding a culture through its language and like the the wealth of knowledge that you can get from just like tackling the language uh, of a of a culture and how how you get so much history and how you get so much layers and meanings out of it when you start to learn another culture's stories and like for me i think that that mirrors a lot of kind of my journey in trying to learn and understand more chinese that like i i think part of my problem is that i'm not interested so much in fluency so much as i am in trying to understand the inside jokes and illusions that exist in the chinese language that a person who's raised in chinese kind of knows intuitively i have to learn myself and I feel like that process gets reflected in what happens in Darmok. Shout out Paul Winfield. Excellent. Excellent. And doing it in that makeup. So your number two, my number one, all good things. And it was the series finale of Next Generation. And as we learned at the beginning of the pod, the catalyst for your Trek fandom. Why was it number two for you, though? Well, like, I, you know, I asked at the beginning if this was a top five and a countdown because like really it's pretty close to me for the wounded but it's probably the best ending of any of the series yeah like i like it more than what you leave behind i like oh, it yeah. more than endgame those are all pretty good endings but all good things to me is has the best mission statement of of star trek the only and, thing that would make it better is if it turned out it was a Riker holodeck program yeah right right Oh, did you, you didn't respond to my text about this yesterday, but I do want to pitch that I think the way to think about the next generation is that we as the fans are the Q continuum yeah. and that <laughs> Q is the, the whole, every time Q shows up, he's basically a writer who has to like give a new problem to the crew because he, he, the, the continuum is getting mad. So he's just showing up and trying to like write a new scenario for them. You know, I do realize in my top five, there are three Q episodes. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, right? Be because because it's interesting because he shows up first as this kind of trickster character, and he's really like marked as the trickster character. But more of the episodes are about him trying to provide moral guidance mm -hmm. than they are about him like being a dick. Like he's always a dick, but he's got like a relatively good intention. Pretty much after the season three, after Deja Q, where he was a human, like. 
he learned a little bit of empathy as a human, and he was not a terrible person or not a terrible <laughs> omnipotent being for the rest of the series. But he says the mission statement. As a trick, it is so unfortunate that Q has become synonymous with like right wing paranoia <laughs> and conspiracy theory, you know, because it's like, true, yeah. You know, when you talk about Q, it's like you can't, it's almost like, like you can't wear red hats anymore and you can't talk about Q without sounding like a crazy person. But yeah, all good things. He says at the end of it as kind of an epilogue for the show. And he is the mission statement that he says that for that one fraction of a second, you were open to options you had never considered. That that is the explanation that awaits for you. Not mapping stars and studying nebula, but charting the unknown possibilities of existence. And I think that last bit, that charting the unknown possibilities of existence is what makes good Star Trek. Like what when Star Trek is great, it's because it's opening your mind to some idea in a fun way and in an accessible way. And I think that that all good things like captures that exactly. And I'm pretty sure you may not remember you were 10 years old, but when... Picard joins the poker's table and deals out the cards. And, and I think his last line is something along with like the sky's the limit. Yeah. I bawled completely. Did you? I was crying. I don't know if you clearly you don't remember. So here's the thing. Such a great ending, right? Like just to see the, the crew sitting around the poker table and with the sky being the limit, right? Like what a, what a way to send your cast off into the sunset. Is there a fear now, though, to see them come? I mean, granted, there's been five movies in between, right? Or four? Four movies. How four, many? Four next generation movies. Four movies in between, where, like, as we've already alluded to, not a lot of great things happen to this crew. So I guess maybe that that does lessen the, like, blow a little bit, right? Like, such a perfect ending to only lead into, you know, the destruction of the Enterprise in the movie and then, you know, a lackluster... B plot in first contact, you know, as 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 much as I like the, you know, the night must be drawn here. Like the the stuff on Earth with Zephyr Cochran is not great, at least in retrospect. And what's the what shit? What's the next movie on the insurrection? Insurrection. Jesus, there's <laughs> Star Trek has insurrection and Q. They are like were such presages to our modern yeah. political environment. Yeah, insurrection yeah, that, was F. Murray Abraham with his skin stretched, right? Like that's that yes. movie. That's all I yeah, remember about that one. movie. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. And then, like, insurrection is not even the good TNG episode. I think is the the common refrain. Well, it's it's like a forgettable. It's like a it's like a okay next generation episode that ran on too long. Like they made it a two parter when it didn't need to be. And whatever the hell Nemesis was, right? Yeah. Other than like Tom Hardy chewing scenery, which is always great. Yeah, and and it was interesting because that one was like that was i think the first one to that was the last one and it wasn't written by like star trek writers and i i feel like that goes into a lot of like why it feels so tonally different than the last ones so in that sense perhaps picard 3 gives the opportunity to really give the next generation cast the closure that all good things promised right because like had they not graduated to the movies, all good things would would be unsullied. So yeah, but I think that all I mean, all good things ends in a way that you know those characters will keep going, right? And I mean, we get to see them their future selves in that episode. What's so great about that episode, right? Like yeah. at least of a, a variant of their future selves, right? No, and that's definitely an interesting part, right? Because like all good things, they jump twenty five years into the future, and we're here. We are. We're we're 
we're there now. Yeah, we're in fact we're past it, aren't we? Or we're not quite. No, we're past. We're past the point I, yeah, that, they, that they that they visit. It's interesting that like it's interesting to see like the makeup choices for like oh what will old Picard look like and <laughs> and what actually old Picard looks like. It's it's just funny. Yeah. So we'll yeah. we'll end we'll end there. What's what's the one thing you're most looking forward to in Picard three? Before we wrap up. Oh man. Uh, I think I'm I'm looking forward to I'm looking I mean I, honestly I'm looking forward to Worf everything everything that I've read so far everything that I've heard so far Worf is still Worf in a great way and I, I'm excited to see that character he's probably the heart and soul of that era of Star Trek and so I'm really interested to see where they go with that yeah I, I was I would say Worf and and Jordy are like the two characters that I'm most excited to see come back because i also yeah. think they get the the shortest shift in the movies and the shit yeah shit, jordy gets a short shift on the series i mean let's be real yeah no i think that's <laughs> true and it, right and and that's like it's interesting that you know we do we kind of see these this crew as like this big family and stuff and certainly they are but you know a lot of it happens gradually over over the that seven years and you see who doesn't, you, when you look back on it, you're like, oh yeah, he didn't do as much as I thought he did. I mean, even Worf, as 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 much as I loved Worf, I feel like he he was a much better character on D Space Nine than he ever was on Next Generation. Well, like, I mean- He had a lot of growth on Next Generation. He like yeah. evolved as a character, but like he came really came into his own, I felt, in, in D Space Nine. Sure. That's that's for another. That's for when they bring back Cisco and do a Paramount Plus series about Cisco coming, yeah, back, coming mean, back from the profits. Yeah, if Avery Brooks <laughs> if Avery Brooks shows up at some point during Picard season three, we I will I will message like, hey, let's do a best top five of DC Space Nine. <laughs> oh shit, DC Space Nine. You, I mean, the, the here's the thing with DC. It's talking about presaging. They presaged the era of serialized storytelling. You know what I mean? Right, like, absolutely. That's and that's all Star Trek is now is all serialized. And that's honestly why it's so hard for me to get into it. <laughs> well, right. Well, it's the problem. I mean, Strange is, New Worlds, I think, is, is back to like the original kind of episodic storytelling, right? But yeah, Strange New Worlds is more episodic, and so is uh, uh lower decks. But the the thing is is that like their version of serialization has gone definitely much more down the lost jj abrams style right 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 mystery box yeah yeah in all of the like bad ways <laughs> i expect the smoke monster to show up at some point for sure here's an interesting fact we named uh, not quite 10 episodes because we had a couple overlaps but didn't make our top fives best of both worlds yeah yesterday's enterprise yeah yesterday's enterprise is in my top 10 but it's not in my it's not in my top five cause and effect top but 10 not top five I Borg. Yeah, that was that's the last one for me. <laughs> Measure of a Man. I lied. I said Measure of a Man was in my top five. I realized it wasn't. <laughs> but yeah, like, these are classic TNG episodes that we didn't even that just thought yeah. that was interesting. Well, it's I, I and I because I think there's a difference between like the best episodes that are kind of like objectively, if we were to do a poll, I'm sure best of both worlds, you know, is up. I mean, that's the that's the chalk answer, right? Like that's right. what everyone says is the best Star Trek. Right. And that's but why like, that's why everything I mean everything references it. You know what I mean? Like it's almost right. like I think Picard is over his Borg PTSD by now. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't Well he was I mean, he was over it by the end of season five because he didn't commit genocide. He had the opportunity to kill all the Borg and he said no. And, <laughs> and, and like, yet we were kind of 
kind of done with it. Every every Picard story, there's always like some dream yeah, sequence where forget. he's on the board. They team. always forget that he figured this out already. <laughs> well, the line must be drawn here, and clearly oh, it's well, been drawn several not. times. <laughs> yeah. They can't stop drawing that line. Anyway, that's that's hard knock life. That's Picard. We it's it's nice getting back to our Trek roots, because I think when, when this site launched 10 years ago, we talked about Star Trek a whole goddamn lot. We even <laughs> had like a Star Trek week at one point where we were doing nothing but Star Trek talk. You would think this was a Star Trek website, and 10 years later, we barely talk about the show. So thank you for bringing it back, Raymond. Uh, well, you know, thank you, Patrick Stewart, and let's let's see how this goes. <laughs> de- de- depending on how this goes, I may, I may, I may have more things to say about it. You're, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll come back at the end of the season and see what we'll, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll revisit. Yeah. Until then, I know you can't find Raymond on social media, but you can find me at the real chow, the underscore real underscore chow on Twitter, and at real Keith Chow on Instagram. Follow the Nerds of Color at the Nerds of Color on all platforms, and go to hardknockmedia.com to find this and all the other podcasts in the Hard Knock family. Give us a rating and review if you do support us on patreon at patreon.com slash the nerds of color buy merch at tpublic.com search the nerds of color and subscribe to videos on youtube.com slash the nerds of color and until next time raymond chow you have the last word uh, live long and prosper make it so <laughs>